Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, May 15th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 314. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and I'm joined today once again by Gita Jackson. Hello, I'm Gita. Rob Zachney. How's it going? And Ricardo Contreras. How are you doing, Cotto? I'm doing all right. Uh, I think savory pies are my favorite type. Savory pies are, are your favorite type of pie? Yes. Oh. Why? I like savory pies are my favorite. Type. I don't know. Something, I wouldn't say my like, favorite. It's an opinion I like that's both though, yeah. out of context and perverse. 314. <laughs> it's pie. It's a pie episode. Oh, it's a pie episode. I see. Right. Except mm. uh, this is Mario. <laughs> well, obviously, the best kind look. of pie. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's three. It's, oh, no, know, it's 514. No, it's, you're right. 314. Yeah, 514 today. Yeah. Wow. Crazy synchronicity. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I. That's pie for you. <laughs> it always shows up in places you don't expect, doesn't it? Yep, that's what the movie pie is about. That's the this movie is pie. Is about. Podcast now. This is the second reference to the movie pie we've had within a week. Wow. Because Rob made one independently of that last week. I just have well, a mind meld with Rob right now. It's, it's really true. intense. <laughs> I feel like we've been, since Patrick's been out, we've just been vibing like mm-hmm. really a lot every day. I feel very close to Rob. Just so is you pie know. any good now? If I, we went back and, and ranked it among Watched Aronofsky's, it. I haven't wa- I've watched it before. I mean, in the context of Mother, I just feel like everything Aronofsky <laughs> now becomes hilarious because you just realize he's he really he really did just make a movie starring his now ex girlfriend about how his dick doesn't work, and you just have to think about how shockingly literal the must the rest of his films must be. Mm. You don't think that he he grew into that over age? That like by the time he did. Like I think post wrestler Aronofsky has to be has to feel like different than pre. I guess the Fountain is also kind of yeah okay. Man, I fucking yeah. hate the Fountain. I hate yeah, it so much. I, there's a lot. People, I watch the movies with Mikey. No respect to Mikey. You know that he, he's fine. He's fine. But I just strongly disagreed. I watched it and it made me very frustrated because he really says I think critics just didn't understand this one, and I feel like critics did understand it. They just didn't think. The fountain of life was love after all was all that deep. Man, you know, Wolverine yeah. drinks come from a tree in that movie. Like, it's not. Congrats like, that's, to that guy. That's the stuff oh, what's wrong that with that? They got, a, they, got a, <laughs> they got a tree what comes? God damn. <laughs> he cuts into the tree and like white liquor comes out and then he just starts laughing at yeah. it like at a teat. And it looks like this. <laughs> I have not seen this movie. I'll be honest. I never got through it. And that's. I, did that I'd say it's on me, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's on the yeah. film. It's yeah, on like the, film. The, the the fountain life is love after all. Is like the kind of shit with Aronofsky where I get so frustrated because it's just like the most incredible technical filmmaking. Like he mm-hmm. was shooting the reflections off of soap bubbles in the fountain. That's fucking crazy. That's amazing shit. But 
it's in the service of a completely banal and like incredibly boring plot that yeah. made me so bored. This is not what we meant to talk about today. No, but I had a lot of feelings. <laughs> no, we are. But here. my suspicion is Pi would still hold up, though. Okay, I think like, Pi probably. I think does. I think in the way uh, following holds up. Even if yeah. you know what I mean, like yeah, even if the rest of Nolan stuff is like, eh. yeah, yeah, early work can remain compelling, particularly in that you see like a skilled technician pushing limited means mm-hmm. to their limit, and yeah. so those movies can feel vital in a way that the auteur period works can just feel like sh- like just completely shitty because they're indulgent and yeah. kind of like lifeless in a way, yeah. even as they've gotten more polished. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I think the thing that stands out for. Like, the reason I think about Pi more than really I should is just because it is a weird, claustrophobic movie, right? Oh, yeah. like it's got that pitch black palette. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a start, like, very high contrast black and white. It feels, like, violent and sharp to look at. It's pretty yeah. difficult to see, like, see shit and make out shit in that movie. Yeah. And it feels so oppressive the entire time. The last time I watched that movie, I was, like, 14 years old. <laughs> Not a great time I, to I watch think it. I must have. I I definitely watched it like every year through college at least because like yeah. that was the type of like this. Now this is filmmaking. Now this <laughs> yeah. right here, this is hey, fucking filmmaking. Hey, are we watching, watching Boondock Saints or? <laughs> I was <laughs> never. I was never a Boondock Saints guy. I was the guy in that fucking film class. Be like, this fucking sucks. Who who suggested we had a? Oh, I was in a uh, like philosophy and film seminar over the winter wow. break once that's a combination and, of two of the worst personalities in college right yes <laughs> and i was on the philosophy side of the personality and there was one there was one movie scheduled in our in our schedule that was like voted for that was like hey we can the the, the class will Uh-oh. vote for a movie and someone made a compelling argument for boondock saints that i was not excited about uh, but it was like that or Donnie Darko, so it was kind of a fucking yeah. lose lose. I mean, six and one, half a dozen the other. <laughs> yeah, right? and I'm not even. I'm not even dragging Donnie Darko as a film here. What I'm dragging is any of the conversation that would have come out of that watching that film together, yeah. because that class was not equipped for yeah. for an interesting conversation about the, the filmmaking first or anything else. Time I like liked or like I I watched Donnie Darko so much in high school because I had such a mm-hmm. big crush on Jake Gyllenhaal that I completely like Malamar out of it. Uh, I like just can't watch that movie anymore i've seen i know every single beat of it every single line Mm -hmm. of dialogue it's really it frustrates me now but the first time i actually appreciated it as like a movie and not just a vehicle for me to look at jake gyllenhaal was like after i graduated from college and talked to someone that like is in the film industry now Uh. and they were like yeah it's basically just a whole movie about this adolescent guy who has a fantasy of writing all the wrongs in his small town and saving his girlfriend before he dies and i was like whoa shit (laughs) Wow, that's a different movie than I thought it was. I thought it was about a hot guy who puts a bunny mask on. <laughs> like, both can be right, you know. Yeah. I feel like that's that's you know. Uh, in any case, uh, Boondock uh-huh. Saints won, and all of every the professor was just like not furious, but was very much like not pleased that this was the film that we had chosen because it was not worth. The deep dive. Well, oh, actually, God, the thing so that ended stupid. up happening was was that the p- discussion that she ended up bleeding was basically like very subtly dragging it the whole time, and and that part was good for me and my. She was ego. trying to guide the class towards the correct conclusion of this movie is not that interesting, actually. <laughs> right, you know, we had like an but ongoing the fact conversation of its popularity about popularity. Is sure, totally, totally, yes, yes. What does it say about American ethics? Um, anyway, we should talk about speaking of of ethical choice making and and dramatic narratives 
Gita and, Ka- and uh, not Kato, Rob. Oh, What's so, up? No, just I thought you were going to say video games because apparently Aronofsky directed a video game. Oh, God. Wait, what does he direct? An FMV game wanted- called Soldier Boys. He directed Soldier Boy? Which, which video? <laughs> <laughs> which one? Was it for anime? Oh, God, that'd Sol- be great. Soldier, Soldier Boys. Boys with a Z. With a Z. Was a rail shooter that utilized <laughs> full motion Aronofsky video. with a handheld. God. This game don't mean shit. And he's like, yes, give me more. Give Man, me more. when people figure more. out what you we keep putting off potion. talking about, they're going to be so fucking angry. Oh, this is... <laughs> This is like off-brand Platoon. It is off-brand Platoon. This is amazing. I can't believe this is real. 1997? Uh Uh-huh. No, FMV video game called Soldier Boys. Wait, maybe I'm watching... Wait, I think I'm watching the wrong thing. Here we go. No, this is also... This is also like fake Platoon, isn't it? No, wait, no. This is like fake... This is a jail movie? Oh, this is like a... Wait, no, now it is also fake Platoon. (laughs) Yep. It's all fake Platoon, baby. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is the premise here... Is the premise what I think it is? I suspect this premise is that some folks from a prison, sorry, from the California Youth Authority, uh, get recruited to go into the jungles to to use their skills to shoot people. (laughs) So it's like the Dirty Dozen meets like Ender's Game? Yeah. Yeah. This was a a movie. Oh, this is an adaptation of that 95 movie. movie, This was a year before Pi debuted at Sundance, (laughs) according to (laughs) filmschoolrejects.com. Their description of this, regardless of your insanity of his involvement with the game revolving around some pre-triple-X bad boy recruitment by the military for a top-secret mission. (laughs) What?! Uh, that yeah. later allows the player to go to a woefully offensive Asian brothel. Thank you for pointing out that this is racist random website that has yeah. any information about that. It seems like that. it might be racist. Yeah, that sounds pretty racist. Ooh. Ooh, CNET's got the specs on it, though. It's great. Classic CNET. <laughs> I uh, hate the 90s, and we're in 90s nostalgia mode. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Rob and Gita, the two of you have had the opportunity to play some Crusader Kings 3. And as a fan of Crusader Kings 2 and of grand strategy games writ large, especially these sorts of character-driven ones, I am curious how that game is doing and, and what your experiences have been so far. Uh, can, you, can you set up just like, I guess for the audience, what a Crusader Kings is maybe, Rob, uh, as the long-term, uh, uh, you know. I guess actually you and I, I, my guess is Gita and I probably like CK2 more than you do, right? Because you're more of the Hearts of Iron, EU4. Yeah, I am. Look, I am all in on the Westphalian system. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's like, uh, the, you know, I'm kind of a fan. Yeah. This is like the college game. Mm, uh, wow. Okay. Game. Okay. Then Gita, can you set up for the audience who like maybe has only heard in bits and pieces like what a Crusader Kings is uh, yeah. so that they can follow along? I feel like before I heard about what it was, I heard that it was hard, which was like an immediate turnoff because sure. when people like get really into games that are hard, I just tend to associate that with like some really irritating communities. And there's aspects of that here. But Crusader Kings is actually a very entertaining game where you sort of control a, a, a family, a lineage, 
And throughout that lineage, you take control of a player character, and that character will age and die. And then you'll have an heir that you'll then take control of afterward. And this is set sort of like in the beginning of the Middle Ages, and it can go on uh, for multiple centuries. Uh, there's a point where you have to buy a different game to continue the game, which I think is quite funny. Um, but you, you essentially, you, you can do like literally anything you want. Like if you, what you really want is to just like put all of, like have a bunch of, like make, I don't know, uh, Ireland matrilineal. That can be the goal that you decide to do in that game, if you'd like. Or if you'd like to become like the, the emperor of the entire like Europe, Asia, Eurasia, and North African region, then that's also a thing you can do. Uh, it is set during the Crusades, so there will be Crusades. Um, and there is a lot of like, war, but it's not like as fiddly in the sort of fighting aspects. Like It really wants you, as a game, to role play as the dynasty that you have chosen and to get in character there and to think about the relationships between characters and how you can manipulate them in order to get what you want. I would say like it, it's um, uh, Henrik uh, Farhas, the, the, the game Farias, director. Yeah. Farhas, yeah. At the game director at Paradox um, Game Studio. Uh, he described it as a medieval soap opera, the whole series. And I genuinely think that that is a very good way to describe what you're doing and like what kinds of moments of drama at, you'll, you'll have in the game. That's my description of it. Having... <laughs> So having led this off with a more of an EU four four guy, uh, that's the thing I'll say is like EU is very much a game about painting the map, right? Like when people get really reductive about it, they want to describe like what is the most paradox thing to do. Like partly EU four, which is about like the rise of the colonial empires and uh, you know the the transition from the medieval and Renaissance uh, political model to the uh, modern political structures and models. Uh, that is a game about sort of the immortal nation state uh, sort of contesting among its peers to sort of rise and dominate more and more of the map. Uh, Crusader Kings is can be about that, but I think Crusader Kings, what kind of makes it more interesting than that is that there, because it's sort of, it's sort of fit within this dynastic model there's a lot that pushes against that like crusader kings is a game about like if strategy games are about success driving success crusader kings is about that but it's also about the pot the chance that like weird family dynamics and shit can yeah. just cause everything to explode at a moment's notice and yep. you might like you might at one moment have that like pan eurasian empire that you're running and then your dude dies. Yeah. And the, There's a the clock ticks over and yeah. you're fucked. Um, I have a really good like example of that, of how that happening to me in Crusader Kings 3. So that people who really are not familiar, like here's a narrative journey through something that happened to me in this game. Fundamentally, mechanics-wise, I'd say the games are very similar, but uh, 2 and 3. But I guess I'll just say my verdict now is that if you are curious about Crusader Kings... Uh, and would like to play it, you should wait until September 1st and try Crusader Kings 3 because it's just going to be an easier game for you to figure out mm. than 2, for sure, like in a lot of different ways. It's it's now, I think, good enough that I would recommend it to... I have some friends that, like, 
Do you guys have these friends that are like, oh, I'm, not a, I'm not a gamer. I only go to real life Pokemon Go raids and like have an intensely <laughs> powerful team and like coordinate with people online about how to keep our territory. But well, I'm not I'm a not gamer. A, yeah. But I'm not yeah. a gamer. Yeah. 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 I, I would recommend this to people like that. People who have like taken a game, uh, one single game apart and like right. know what systems be- inwards and like outwards and you're just like, I wish you had a better game <laughs> because <laughs> I can see like the itch that this is scratching for you. Right, and there's something else out there that would do this even better if only you would give yourself to it. Yeah, I think, like, for for that particular kind of person, this is the time to suggest that they play Crusader Kings 3. Um, I want to come back to that after you tell your story, though, Gita. Because there's a lot... Having done my time in the Nightmare Paradox interfaces, uh, (laughs) which are decent, actually, for all that they're trying to do, there's a lot I want to get into about that and CK3, but I also want to hear how this game totally hosed you. So, okay. So I was playing in Scandinavia. I started off just clicking around in Ireland. The tutorial again is in Ireland just because it's easier to manage all the duchies on an island instead of the one on the main continent. Uh, But I decided, well, why don't I just try a different start? And I started as early as I possibly could as a ruler in Sweden. And I, over multiple centuries, multiple generations, I managed to acquire four different kingdoms. I had the kingdom of Ireland. I had the kingdom of Sweden. I had the kingdom of Denmark. And I think I just got the kingdom of Finland. And I was, I selected to have all of these be the default succession will partition up your lands to your heirs if you have multiple children. And okay. I did not want that to happen. So the Scandinavians can discover Scandinavian succession law, which essentially has all your major vassals vote on who should get each particular property that has Scandinavian succession. So I got why, those four kids to have Scandinavian more, succession. Why is that more desirable? Is it because you could get one person to inherit yes. all of that stuff? Okay, yes. if they oh, vote and for I managed it. to let pull it you, off. Let me tell you what happens when yeah. you don't have that. Okay. okay. My, th- my thought there was, sorry, my thought there was, could they not vote for different people to take different they things? They can, but, that, but you can use all the powers at your disposal. I like I, When I was Sway playing an intrigue character, I, was, uh, I unlocked the ability to make up secrets out of thin air to use for blackmail. And I, I would see. do that, you know, if they voted for <laughs> someone I didn't Unlocked want to vote for. Right. Yeah, I would just like, I would come up, I would, you can, you can, um, in this version of the game, they have this mechanic called hooks, where if you find out dirt on someone, or if you make up a secret about them, or you can get a, a hook. You have weak hooks and strong hooks. Weak hooks, you can use her minor favors. Strong hooks, you can use her major favors, like making them an agent in a plot, like a murder scheme or something. Mm. And so if you have a strong hook, you can use that to also force them to vote for who you want to vote for. So I'd do that. I'd bribe people. I'd have them advantageously murdered. And all they'd marry my children to the children of the vassals who were disagreeing with me. You know, I would manage their expectations. Like, I would manage them very, like, in the micro so that mm-hmm. all Four kingdoms would go to the same person. But the point where I decided, okay, I, I have very little time with this game left and I should just try other places and I don't think it's going to turn out well for me, is the most recent ruler I had, every couple of months, you could tell something funky was going on in the AI. Like, their their own Ooh. motivations were bouncing off of each other. Every couple of months, like, they, they pretty much agreed that my jo- daughter, um, I think it was uh, Brian Olive's daughter, she she was she she should get the four kingdoms. Like they pretty much agreed for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, then every couple of months, this one cousin would <laughs> end up with the most votes for like the kingdom of of Sweden. 
and I'd be like, who is this bitch? Who are you? <laughs> He's some random ass cousin, like begat of a begat from generations ago when I like married off a daughter to some foreign land to a piece of rulers who like isn't in my dynasty. I think it because it was a matrilineal marriage because I wanted to get that particular person out of this line of succession. And they are still they but they still have a, a weak claim on the kingdom of Sweden. And there were enough people that didn't like me and my vassals that he was able to end up with the kingdom. And like I could like convince him to do other things. I could change my vote strategically also. And then everyone else would shuffle their votes around based on how much they liked me or disliked me. And I was able to scheme it. But like every couple of months, this dude would come back. And I was just like... <laughs> Fuck, fuck this guy. Like, I hate this man. Why does he want to not let me have Sweden? <laughs> I need it. So, yeah, I ended up being really close to death and in the middle of a huge war and just being like, I'm going to let this hang in history <laughs> for a lifetime because I, yeah. I do not have faith that this is going to go well. But, Rob, what happens when it goes badly? What would have happened if I kept playing? Yeah. Well, okay, so well, actually, no. I'm, uh, let's. You had a better succession model in some ways, but the the thing you were up against was it worked well until you were at the, at, in jeopardy of losing all of it at once, right? Yeah. Like somebody basically ninjas that vote to keep yep. the kingdom intact and gets it away from you. And then if one the, person was able to get, if it wasn't going to all all four of them going to one person, the rest of the things would end up going to like two things would go to one person and then another thing right. would go to another person. We should emphasize that to, to, to listeners who've never played this series, you're not playing the na a nation. You're playing a family dynasty and that means and, – and only ever one person inside of that dynasty. So you, if your three kids split the kingdom up – you only get to become one of those kids. Which and those is where other, I was going. Right. Okay. Uh, sorry. Like, I was just, so okay. the Yeah. So the model that I was under was that – when the when dad dies, all the sons, and it's only sons in the model you start with in Ireland, I think, uh, inherit whatever is their proper claims. And so the thing is, like, as king, as the guy who assembled all of this, I ruled it all directly as as the old king who who built this empire. But politically, all these things are not considered the kingdom of I, I played the the newbiest noob uh, character. It's not all considered the kingdom of Meath. Instead, the way the game considers all of this is no. There's all these like subsets of titles that within a dynasty, fair is fair. The head of the dynasty gets this part of Ireland, but this other part that the old king dominated as the ruler when he dies, it will default to the second sons. Uh, little duchy and then if there's a third son in play then they will get a different carve out of Ireland that will be theirs and they will all be independent rulers they'll all be on an equal footing now because they're all like dukes and they're all basically peers with each other so one minute you were playing as the king and you control all of this it's all your territory and your sons are just your vassals uh, and then that king dies and now you're playing as the eldest son and now you have two brothers who inherited independent kingdoms that 30 seconds ago were yours. 30 seconds ago when you're playing as the old king, that was your political territory. But he's dead now. That guy's the past. You are now just the heir. You, you, you are now playing as this heir. And all of that is taken away from you. And so it's so a big part of, of Crusader Kings is finessing the dynastic 
laws and politics to try and make sure that you can continue growing the family line, but that also creates problems where sometimes you just have to 86 parts of your family. <laughs> and well, I could not, you, so the... Do you always go to the, the like, eldest, essentially? when You, you always go to whoever the heir is. Okay. So, so you, don't, you, you can't ever end up as the second or third in that scenario, like... Not unless you engineer it. Yeah. Kind of like, let's let's say you have a real dumbass who's your natural heir. There's a couple things that can happen. One, you can like change succession laws to try to like make it so a better heir will yeah. become the heir. You're gonna piss him off though. And like yeah. the he's gonna hate whoever you play as whenever uh-huh. the king dies. So you right. have to Wouldn't like be, better be ready that for person- that. Just didn't exist. You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, you ever have a bad air and you're like, this person shouldn't rule. Like, like it's sort of like Donald Trump's dad, like, <laughs> knew he was a piece of shit all along. Like, oh, yeah. What if? And, like, he was a like, real piece of shit and you knew his son was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, like, what if you're sitting there and you're like, this person is not qualified for anything. I don't want to play as this person and I can't leave them around. So you can sometimes, like a bonsai plant, prune the dynastic tree. Uh, but these are, these are all things that require murder plots and they give hooks. But anyway, so every time I like, had a succession change in Ireland, the first thing I ended up with was having to basically wage war against my sibling characters yep. to force them to become vassals again and recognize me as the rightful king of Ireland. Because I could do. not. <laughs> like the Cuomos. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so like, but I think this is very much like, part, like this is kind of what makes Crusader Kings really interesting to people in a way that EU4 is not, is that it's full of this kind of friction, mm-hmm. right? Like I was caught in this loop where I kept building these pretty sizable kingdoms over the course of one generation. But in the course of doing that, I would be so in debt and I'd used up so much political capital to expand this empire and hold it together that I never had a good succession plan. And so every single time my character died, I had ever more powerful heirs who would take over that were hard for me to deal with as a character. Like each time I went through this loop the first thing I would have to do is basically pay for mercenaries to use against my siblings because their armies were too big. Like we were basically on equal footing. But what I had was a treasury that I would then empty to put together these mercenary armies to bring my siblings to heal. And then I would spend the rest of my life paying off that debt. It was like college loans for uh. mercs. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I couldn't – I could never – assemble the political capital or the money to basically change succession laws so this would stop happening. And so I was caught in this treadmill until the English uh, basically swamped me. Uh, but yeah, th- so that's kind of like the thing you are dealing with in this game is on the one hand, you're playing a, a typical strategy game where it's about like, I want to conquer this territory. It's wealthy. And then you're also playing this game where it's like, fuck, like, this guy is 50 years old. He could die at any minute because it's the Middle Ages and we yep. don't know shit about shit when it comes to medicine. <laughs> I had a leader uh, get to, like, 70 years old and I was so fucking sick of him. I was like, drop dead! <laughs> like, I need... Get out of here! <laughs> yeah, but a long-lived leader, this is kind of new to Crusader Kings uh, 3, 
the leaders gain experience and abilities as the game goes on. So like characters have natural affinities. They have like basically they have RPG stats, right? They have like stewardship, good at like working the land and governing and administrating. There's martial, which is like, are they are they good at waging war? There's diplomacy. Are they good at the arts of diplomacy and like convincing other dynasts to get on board with their program? And then there's lifestyles that are associated with that that give you like special perks that relate to those like areas of activity. Yeah. The it, thing is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm just going to say like most people like characters will have abilities that will steer them in one direction. But if they live long enough, you do have the chance of like having a weird savant like character who can or not the savant uh, more like uh, omnicompetent character. Yeah. And that can be really fun. Yeah, the 70-year-old king was very useful in that I filled out, I completed the martial and intrigue uh, lifestyle skill trees. There's three different trees for each one. So I I spent a lot of time with uh, the martial and intrigue ones because in the early game, martial is incredibly useful. You just end up in a lot of skirmishes over territory because you, you have some, but you usually are starting pretty small. Um, and intrigue is also like a lot, the, the, the one where you can or just become a very good schemer is incredible incredibly useful if that is your play style but then you know once i i conk i finished those two my seven-year-old king i was like what happens if i try the like stewardship tree and then i was just making money hand oh, over oh. fist it was amazing <laughs> i had been so in debt also from merc- like buying mercenaries and having to raise my levies and stuff it's the money management i think is the the stuff that I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it right now. I feel it was really frustrating um, to run out of money in the middle of a war. And I never felt like I was doing enough to like develop my country to get more money. And like right. when I when I had the, the stewardship focus, the amount of money I got changed so much. I was just like, well, I guess I just have to have the stewardship focus and like have a really good steward. If that's what if I want to have any money at all ever. But it. <sighs> It didn't. I, I wish I had more finer control over that, but that's pretty much my only complaint, really. I had I a great time of, with this game. I kind of liked that, and in, in that, like, I think what I saw so far in this game, at least, is it communicates a lot. A lot of strategy games, kind of as as, as you advance, they just begin giving you like multiplicative bonuses that let you like really solve some classes of problems really effectively, right? Where like the Civ thing, where it's like this building gives you a 25% bonus to research. And then the next tier up the tech tree, now that bone that that bonus gets like doubled. This is very much a like it's the Middle Ages, man. Like you're not going to unlock the thing where you know, with this small plot of land, you can now get 300% yield out of it. That's just not in the cards. Right. And so the thing about Crusader Kings is you it does kind of force you to think generationally because mm-hmm. you're not going to get that button where you be like where you can be like, I'm gonna build this upgrade, and then this like hellhole province <laughs> in, the, in the middle of Ireland that I conquered for no good reason is now going to become like my bank. That's yeah. just not in no, the cards. No. And so, like, yeah, it, like, I kind of like that. I mean, when you put this it that way, that, it does make yeah. sense. Because it, it does make you, it, you do have to think on the scale of centuries when you play this game. You know, yeah. you have to think not just about the person you're playing as, but the, their son 
And then as soon as they become old enough to become betrothed to someone or you know, marry someone, their child. You know, like you are thinking about what their your leaders are going to be good at, like generations down the line. And so I did have times where I'm like, well, I mean, I'm going to try to stay out of wars when this guy is alive because mm-hmm. he's just not very good at them. But he's an amazing schemer. He's really good at intrigue. So I bet I can still get, like, force a lot of vassalizations out of the counties near near to me by getting a lot of hooks on on people on in those areas. And that did work, which was incredibly cool. Um, it it the money the money stuff though. Sometimes you sometimes uh, the leader of the religion you created just ha- keeps having like pretty. T- pretty ill-conceived crusades against England. (laughs) And you you don't want to, you can't afford to just give them money, but you don't really have the money either to raise the levies for the amount of time that they want you to raise it, and you don't want to lose any more territory. So then you just get kind of frustrated with how generation after generation you're just broke because this guy keeps wanting to have crusades. Hmm. (laughs) If only there were some way to (laughs) prevent that from happening. Um, let me go back really quick because I feel like a little earlier there was a moment there where there was maybe a disagreement as to whether or not this game was, I don't remember what it was about. Was it, was it about the idea that this would be like the good entry point? Because Rob, it sounded like you had some issues with UI or some other stuff. No, no, I think the UI is, is pretty improved. I think, I think for me, it's more the notion that, um, like when Henrik's saying, oh, this game shouldn't be stressful. Right. I found it enormously stressful in Boston. Mm, okay. Uh, that is, like, I understand, like, basically it really requires, are you just willing to go along for the ride? Because I think if you're willing to go along for the ride, this could be a pretty chill game where it's like, gosh, history sure happened to me. Right, right. Uh, like, and that can be, that, that can be fun. I think Paradox games do reward you for not thinking in terms of, I'm going to win history. I only reward you for thinking, I'm just kind of an interesting experience and a journey through this. And there's going to be setbacks and let's see if I can come back from them. Uh, But at the same time, it can be very stressful when things begin to spiral away from you. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Don't like it. Yeah. And it's hard to see how you're going to like get back to an interesting position. Because I think you don't necessarily need to be the most powerful player on the board to have a interesting experience in a paradox game in fact frequently it's most interesting when you're not but power does translate to a certain flexibility and freedom and when you're just kind of like when you just have everything get away from you you lose a lot of that flexibility and it becomes about how can i survive or how can i claw back a small opportunity uh so like an example of that is I started playing this game as a Viking who was invading France. And my early experience with that was I was enormously powerful because I had like 3,000 uh, Viking Huskarls in my service. Like, that's a huge <laughs> army in this game. And Vikings are fucking badasses. Like, everyone, like, the European rulers you're invading, when they hit, like, raise their armies, they're raising pure peasant levies. Yeah. Like, basically, they can put 100 dudes with pitchforks in a field, and that's it. I have, like, 3,000 picked warriors to yep. go up against them. It's it's just Early not even games a fight. as the Swedes, really, really fun. <laughs> you 
Yeah. Gotta say, just constant winning. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah. You're just, you are just hoovering up like chunks of your up. It's yep. very much like you're, yeah, you're, you're the globetrotters. They're the generals. Uh, the problem is that, well, one, it took me a while to realize that my host Carl's were not being replenished uh, at a very good rate. Like, turns out, picked warriors who were like trained throughout their, their lives, lives. Yeah. 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 Turns out you can't just be like, uh, yeah. Can I get like another thousand of those guys? I, I bit off a little more than I can chew. And, uh, a lot of them are dead. So I just need like, just re up max order. How many Turns you got out all the territories of England are now super pissed at me. So <laughs> yeah. kind of got to defend it <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> I've got like a cross kingdom Alliance forming against me and, uh, it's getting pretty bad here. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, gee, like I'm st- like, my army's getting smaller. I keep winning because my guys can win these battles against like vastly superior numbers. But how many of my guys being replaced a month? Seven. I was getting Ooh. seven fresh Huskarls a month. Yikes! Ooh, that's not very many at all. Can you no, I would estimate. I would estimate my burn rate to be at like a hundred a month. Uh, not good. Could you talk to me about the um the war systems in this? Because for me, as a CK two player, I you know I move some guys around. I make sure that my like martial score is high. On a general, I hire some mercenaries. So then the uh, then the the sprites fight for a little bit. I guess their models, the models fight for a little bit. <laughs> I like you know. There's some deg- there's there's strategy layer stuff in terms of like, hey, where do I want to attack? Where do I want to land? Where do I think my enemy has their troops? Where would they raise their troops at? Blah 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 blah. But like that has never been the draw. It has never been like a good war game. I'm curious if they've if they've accepted that as part of what the the character of, of a Crusader Kings game is, or if they've tried to develop some sort of new. It's take slightly on that. more complex. Um, I th- I think in that it it just stops you from being like the war. Like I think okay. that 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 is the thing that they are trying the reaction they're trying to stymie. I don't think it's uh, all that hard, more difficult. Like, I don't think you're gonna have to think very much more strategy wise when it comes to like placing troops and mm-hmm. really it is a matter of like just hope that you're big bunch of guys has more guys than the other guys when they meet up um mm-hmm. but there is like this thing there's a war score now that you contribute to um was that not was there not a war score in ck2 did score, that come only from i think there is a war score there stuff? also but it's this one that i, I think, think that's a, i have I think a that's better an OG sense paradox feature yeah i have a better sense yeah. of what counts toward my war score now it, gotcha. it's still gotcha. frustratingly vague at sometimes like I, I i would be having wars where i'd be at 98 percent war score and i'd be like sick gonna win this in a, like one minute and then i'd be at negative two and i'm like what the what the fuck happened here <laughs> and it's because they were holding some territory that i was supposed to be holding and i didn't even know i vaguely only vaguely have any idea of what territory it is really and I don't know why it caused my war score to completely tank. But that's how I ended up in years-long wars multiple times. So it, it, it's not, it's not it, like a lot of this Crusader Kings 3, I would say, is Crusader Kings 2, but with a, like, not a fresh coat of paint, but like, it's like someone took apart, took apart an old record player and replaced all the parts that were broken and cleaned everything and got it a new belt and rewired it and it's just fucking sinks when you put that record on 
that's how it feels like to play if you're a Crusader Kings 2 player, I think. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that so makes that, me excited as a Crusader Kings 2 player. Yeah. It, I, uh, it's uh, a better version of the thing you had been playing to the point you were where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I played that thing for so long. <laughs> it, 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 it makes everything so much easier to understand. There's like a there's a widget now for when you have can press a claim on a county that didn't used to exist. You used to just have to click on things, and now it just comes in a big list. And like it's almost so annoying with the information that they tell you that I like would x out out of the notifications a lot. But they make sure that you like know. They put it in front of your face instead of making it a mystery to you. And yeah, it's it's uh, clever the things that they've done. Like I think paradox games sometimes would have trouble sorting out. What notifications do I need? Which ones is important? I probably need to be reminded of. Like when, like when does the check engine light come on in a paradox game? Is kind of a question uh, that can be kind of open. I think something that's nice here is, uh, in addition to at the top of the screen, at the top of the UI, you have like a bunch of uh, just alerts that like let you know that there's some important things that you could also you, you could handle. And probably want to at least examine and uh, make some sort of decision about. So you'll 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 have a uh, notification about, hey, you're you're broke, man. Uh, like you're out of money, or these mercenaries are about to leave your service. Uh, you will also have like a scroll that has a list of basically like important uh, government business that you can that you can and probably should handle at a given at a given point like hey here's a here's you have a claim on this right now like you can do something about that or not mm. uh you have a child who's of marriageable age you should probably figure out who they're going to get with uh because not getting any younger mm. though sometimes it's worth holding out to see if more interesting uh marriage opportunity arises due to the vagaries of uh ill health or, uh, or position, or the world yeah. has changed. Yeah, of course. New yeah, alliances but, form sometimes. Yeah, and so I think it does a very good job of helping you sort out like what everyday information is that you need versus like what should kind of be front of mind. Like what are the important things you want to check back in on? Like it just feels it's it, it's very quality of life game improvement. I think the other thing that helps with that is in Crusader Kings two, all everything was like these little two D portraits um of characters and it could just you click and you'd be like who the fuck are these people like it's just little faces <laughs> little, little like little like not not bad but they're tiny little portraits of people who all basically look like yeah that's a french <laughs> lady sure sure why not yeah there's there's literally hundreds of them in this game so like which is the little port <laughs> like the like who am i looking for right sure uh this is the thing that the direction they've gone is the uh like 3D they they fully like 3D animated characters and they have like mannerisms and looks and so like for example there was a dude in my court who was this like viking warlord who was like what like was my vassal but also controlled part of Ireland and the dude was kind of a snake and the guy had kind of a snaky demeanor in his, like, character portrait. Like, he was, like, a kind of scrawny Viking with a big red beard, but also just kind of had, like, a, um, oh, gosh, what's the, uh, the villain in, 
uh, like Dudley Do Right. Uh, just oh, kind of had that name, a Snidely Whiplash, right? Yes. Wow. Just had kind Damn. of a Snidely Whiplash vibe. Yeah. And the game had to communicate stuff like that. Like you, you, like you look at him, you look at his stats. He had very high intrigue. So, like statistically, this guy's mode of operation is going to be uh, to be kind of like a snake and an intriguer. Yeah, the way uh, that but they also, signal that it's like very subtle on it's not just like oh their facial features will be slightly different they like start to hold their heads differently oh interesting he'll like look down his brow at you you That's know fascinating. or he'll yeah. hold his hands in like a sort of a tented pose like underneath his chin you know yep. and like you can see them rub together a little bit because he's scheming something and, and this is kind of true for everyone I, for me it helped me keep track of like who is who and what they're oh, yeah. about and I could make, you know, in role play snap judgments about people, which was really fun that way. And you also see the effects of disease that they have in them. You know, a bunch of my characters got smallpox. <laughs> one of them uh-huh, was a sure. one, like, one of my kings is a one-legged leper. I was hoping he would die. <laughs> he was an heir. And I kept having him go in for really extreme treatments for his leprosy, hoping that he'd die on the operating table. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So Listen, I didn't want him to be my heir. <laughs> what? Sometimes you have a le- what? Sometimes you have a kid who's a leper. What's wrong? What? He had bad stats. Okay, he was dumb. <laughs> he was Look, not if he, if he was a good me. leper, I'd have kept him. Yeah, but seriously. he was. <laughs> Welcome to the grand to- strategy games, the the <laughs> games that make us all into eugenicists. <laughs> he ended Look. up being fine. He only lived for like twenty years. Anyway, it was okay. Uh, I think that. I, I think part the other part of this that is interesting is that there are there are dynamics that begin to occur with dynastic uh, politics and like lines of like families being joined and bred together. One is that what what you do encounter is that your family line, for me at least, it started to just get less capable over time. Not in, not in like. In an inbreeding way, you do get a warning where it's like, hey, you probably don't want to arrange a marriage between your son and their first cousin because we already did that a generation ago. Like, we probably don't want to do this. Uh, But so you do get warnings about that. But the game is also pushing you to do that because there are a lot of reasons why you want to marry your neighbor. Right. Like, there's a lot of reasons where you'll where you'll think like, boy, it'd be sure it sure would be convenient if we had a, a marriage alliance between these two powerful neighboring kingdoms. But if you do that every generation, you've basically got like the families marrying together all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to cause some problems. But I think the other issue I started to run into is if you started like at the beginning of a dynasty, chances are what you had as a ruler who was a fucking badass in some way. And not only that, but like they were surrounded by capable people there. Uh, like every ruler you have has a court. Um, in addition to a court, you have your council. And so your council has like a religious leader who kind of also does your dirty work, uh, you know, provides you a moral and modern. <laughs> you know. uh, you'll have stuff. you'll have like a chief steward uh, who like sort of governs your lands and they're hugely important. Like if they're really good, uh, your your yields from all your territories will be significantly higher if they're kind of crap. Things will continue to get worse uh, across the board. Uh, so, like, this is all stuff you're you're going to be watching out for. And you'll want these people to have good stats. But the thing you'll start to run into is, over time, your rulers just, 
there's nothing special about them. You know, the first generation, it's like this person is a ruler because they were like a great warlord and they had their like band of heroes that surrounded them. Two generations down from that, your ruler is just there because he inherited, right? He's just some dude. <laughs> and then you look around for who's going to be on my council. And you got nothing but dudes. It's just a like, bunch it's... of dumb fucks. Like, after a while. <laughs> like, people yeah. with low-ass stats. Unless you continuously invite people to your court and try to seek out foreign talent, you will end up with a bunch of people with, like, 13s and the, the skill that you need them to have them in. And they just but waste your goddamn your time. <laughs> fucking vassals are like, I want to be on the court. Ugh, and it's like, God, no, I hated I'm that sorry. Shit. I have this genius from Italy that I imported to run my lands. Yes. This is this is my person. He may not hold any territory. He may not have any sort of noble blood, but he's smart as hell, and he's going to be my guy. Listen, I'm putting the person with a 24 in intrigue as my, sky, as my spy master, and no vassal is going to stop me. Here's like 500 gold. Shut up. <laughs> like... Basically. And then the next thing you know, they're all like, oh, boy, I should, you know what I should do is I should, I should rebel. That's what I should do. Or well, let's I should start steam. a faction. Let's start like. Well, let's start a faction. Yeah. And, start a peasant revolt. And then you get a notification. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, people are trying to murder you. And you're like, fuck. Who, who dares try to murder okay, me? Okay, like, and where, like do I have any spare daughters or granddaughters? Let me just uh, yeah. <laughs> marry some of those off to you. And then you go to your spy master. And it's like, spy master, find out who's killing me. Who's trying to kill me? But your spy master is just like your son or something like that, or <laughs> somebody else you need. That like this position was not important, and so you were like, "Yeah, you can be my spy master." The kingdom's at peace, so you're not very important right now. So yeah, your stats might suck, but uh, this will make you happy. So you here's your job. Uh, here you go, Jared. Uh, you can be spy master. And then it turns out this person sucks at that job, and now you're like, "Well, who's trying to kill me?" And your spy master's like, "What?" <laughs> People would try to kill you? <laughs> That's horrible. That's so mean. Oh, my God. Why would they should do that? <laughs> do you know who it is? Damn. Like, that sucks <laughs> for you. Right. So, like, Jer Horowitz would be a, actually be a great spy master. Take that back. Jer <laughs> Horowitz no, would be an amazing spy master. Next time I play this game, I'm role playing a Jer Horowitz. Yeah, no, for sure. But you, your, your friend would be, um, oh, gosh. Uh, her Harriet, basically. Yep. Uh, that yep. was my spy master. Mm -hmm. And so that's a problem you start running into is these council positions are really important. And a lot of the characters who surround you badly want to be on your council, but they shouldn't, they don't deserve to be there. And so like, this is the other part of the friction of Crusader Kings is people constantly want shit. People want to be in positions of power. They want to be your sort of conciliary. And as the game goes on, the gulf between what people feel entitled to and what they are capable of doing it becomes begins so wide. to grow. <laughs> You're like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I want to fire all of you. <laughs> but is there who would you replace them with is the thing, right? Are there are there talented folks that you could bring in to replace them or not? What I would end up doing is I would grab a bunch of little territories. I would, you know, make friends with the, the guys, the weaker, you know, areas around me that would then ask to be vassalized. I'd be like, yeah, sure, totally. And then I would take the people that had the really high skills and vassalize them. Because as soon as they were landholding, it meant that I would also get the bonus for them liking me if I put them on the council. And then that was all that really mattered to me. It didn't solve the problem of the people still not liking me. But, you know... A lot of it is over time, they'll chill out, 
and you have to just appease them until them. I didn't really go with the murder route with a lot of them because also like they were well liked within my court, so I couldn't find anyone that wanted to murder them. Hmm. <laughs> really annoyed. Oh, so, uh, I went the murder route. A few. Tell times. me about yeah. it, please. Um, okay, well, so here's the thing: I won't fucking tolerate. Every time an heir takes power, uh, your religious leader determines whether or not they're going to support their claim, right? If they're if you're basically going to get the blessing from the bishop. Let me tell you, I get fucking blessed, okay? That is, like, that's, I'm the ruler, I get my blessings. And God, like, God put me in this position. If you don't get with that program, I have no use for you. And so... My bishop's position became rather fluid uh, through a lot of my <laughs> game as uh, like they kept they kept they kept testing my air. They kept like they kept trying it to see what would happen. And let me right. tell you what happened is murder plots. Uh, <laughs> and so like I kept having this issue where I would have some upstart bishop be like, I supported the old king, but the new king, uh, you know, he's not he's not appointed by God. And I'm like, well, God's calling you at his office, calling you his office, buddy. Uh, I would have my spy master arrange a plot and uh, get this person out the door. And <laughs> but that all and leaves the door. that plots leave kind of residue. Uh like if it all goes well and everyone's really trustworthy, I suppose maybe you can have a clean kill. But I didn't. Ha I never had that. What I had was one: the people who were deepest involved in the plot would have hooks on me, uh, and so that like the people I used to facilitate like the murder of a bishop would be like in on the secret, and they would call in those favors later. Uh, I think I deserve to pay lower taxes, and I'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you do. Uh, we don't need to. We we don't need to be examining what's uh, what's been planted in your soil lately. Uh, so we can, yeah, sure, we'll lower the taxes. Uh, the other thing that would start to happen sometimes is sometimes my ruler had a conscience mm, and don't be love like, that. no, dude. Like I start getting <laughs> these events where it's like I keep hearing, I keep hearing the cardinal's voice. And I'm like, no, you don't. He's dead. Out. Don't worry Damn about spot. it. You don't hear shit. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I would get an event where it's like, I have to tell someone. I'm going to tell my daughter-in-law. And I'm like, the one with the intrigue twenty. That's who you're gonna tell. And it, it, like, it wouldn't be a choice. Like my ruler would just be wow. like, she's like the only one in this court who understands me. She's my best friend. Uh, I'm gonna confess everything to her. And I'd be like, well, it was a good run. <laughs> this is this yeah. isn't going to bite me in the ass. Well, I mean, it's how she became my spy master. Let me oh, tell you well, that. You know. <laughs> Where I was like, okay, uh, I guess I guess you've been read into the file. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is what we'll do. But, yeah, so, like, that's the other thing is intrigues can, like, the cool thing about Crusader Kings is it is a game of blank will remember that. Including your character, like your character, important thing we haven't mentioned, your character is a person who has biases. If you go against those biases, you get stress and characters. Huh. Yeah. So like 
if you're if you have a good wise just king but also you just have to make sure somebody gets dead your good wise just king can do that but it imposes like a huge stress toll and if you push that too far uh you will start to have these symptoms of like dissonance and like mental break uh where you'll just have sort of wild like like wild uh, swings for confession or uh, like penance that are coming out of nowhere. But really it's because you as the player did something that your character just was not capable of doing. And the same will go for like, if your character is kind of a wastrel, let's say um, having them hoard their money will impose that kind of stress too. And so that's that's the other thing this game kind of uses to uh, advance these plots is characters can do a lot of things, but it still has to be made somehow within character. And if you're going against character, there's kind of a a toll that takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've achieved something kind of underhanded, there's going to be like lingering effects from that. Like people who ran on the plot will like later call in favors. And so the cool thing about Crusader Kings is it's not, it's, it's not a game that says, okay, you achieve that end that ties up that story. Everything just launches a new story, which is really cool. It's easier to track in Crusader Kings three than it's ever been. That's interesting. I'm, I'm uh, that system definitely didn't exist as far as I remember it in CK two, unless it came in a, in a past after I was playing um, and I, I've always thought that that was like part of that always gets to to kind of the underlying thing for me in NCK2 is that is a game that's at its best when I'm playing within the kind of texture that it wants me to play in and not just try to play it as like a, a hard strategy game. Um, and I think anything that, that that pushes players towards that will probably help encourage them to have a better time. So that sounds great. Uh, are there any other any other big big final things on on ck3 september so, is when it's september out september 1st That's is too the release far. date not I fair know, it to needs me to come out literally yeah. tomorrow i want to play you imagine what a good summer game that would be yes i can rob i would die. pull the shades down yes i can i can imagine the thing you're talking about i did it's why i'm sad that it's not out until september uh, so i'll have you know i i did uh immediately play this game until five in the morning watch good. the sun come up good. you know Classic. just as in crusader king's tradition i wanted to mention yes. two things I clicked around and played a little bit outside of the the Europe, the Western Europe area, and I played mm-hmm. uh, in India and I played in Ghana. Played as leader of Ghana. I had a really fun moment of drama. Playing in Ghana was like the last thing I did because I was just like, I just want to see what's up in Africa. Ghana's the biggest country over here. Let me check it out. I was just playing as him for like a couple of months, and then suddenly I got an alert that my scheme had been completed and that the, <sighs> a local mayor had decided to become my lover. Turns out the king of Ghana was just gay. <laughs> Congrats awesome. to that guy. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, congrats um, to that man. I didn't um, even then, realize that it was, I didn't even realize that that it, the map was going to expand beyond like early CK2 oh, Europe no. map. Oh, it's they so They have big. the hell North yeah. Africa and all of Eurasia. So I also okay, went to India cool. and I actually went to the region of India where my family is from and nice. played over there for a little while. It was really, really fascinating. And um, I guess... In this one, which is something that I became obsessed with, especially when I was playing as uh, the Swedes and I could turn like the Norse religion into an actual reformed religion, they, they, they let you make religions in this one. And it, it kind of freaking mm-hmm. rocks. Uh, over uh, in that area of India, there are a bunch of just uh, Hinduism splinters that exist back down there 
but I actually found one that <laughs> it was amazing. You know, I was looking at the splinter of Hinduism and they allow you to select a bhakti, which is like a house god that you have. And then I went mm -hmm. to my ruler and it was like, why don't I contemplate the bhakti and pick a bhakti? And I was able to pick Lakshmi, which is my own family's bhakti. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> which awesome. was amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. they really give you, there's some things I would, I'm not sure I love about the religion system uh, in that you can only reform a religion once. So a religion will be like sort of a, a unrefined hmm. set of tenets until you reform it into a formal religion. And when you reform it, you can make formal changes. It costs a lot of piety to do so. So when you reform it, you might be not be able to make as many changes as you wanted to. I was able to change Astaru uh, from a male-dom religion to a, uh, a equal gender religion and also... Uh, got rid of the human sacrifice because that was causing some issues for me. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. So you you can do that once. And then from there, if you want to reform the religion again, you, you can't reform it again. You have to create a splinter off of that religion, which didn't okay. really feel to me like the way that religion actually develops throughout history. But mm. I suppose that works well with the, the religious systems of crusades, which is religious wars. Right. So... You know, if you start a splinter religion and then you manage to convert everyone in the area, you can have a crusade against everyone else there and regain all your old lands and convert everybody. So, you know, th that makes sense. But it just didn't – I wanted to, like, gradually change the religion more and I wasn't able to, and that was a little frustrating. But it is fun to, like – to end up being able to vassalize things because you've spread your culture and religion just to the surrounding areas or like the very edges of your, your territory mm -hmm. and the territories outside are now just your religion and your culture. So they might as well just be part of your kingdom. Yeah. And that ended up being like a very fun way for me to play the game. Like a, there's a lot of ways to, to play. It's very fun. You should play it. September 1st. I can't I wait to play it. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very, very excited for it. So we're ready right, to I lose will, my fall to it. I'll give you this one last detail. Mm -hmm. You asked about the military stuff. I would say it is still it's still the two stacks fight, etc. Yeah. I think yeah. the big thing here is um, in keeping with that sort of generational thinking, building like a professional, like picked military is really powerful. The thing about this game is like, like everything, like having the most like Pushing a strategy to the stops incurs a huge cost. Like the military thing, the thing that this is really about, it is not maneuverings of armies on the fields. It's about like, did you build a professional military? Because if you did, like, <laughs> right. holy shit, like you're powerful. But that will have come at an unbelievable cost. It'll be like, well, we're all still living in mud huts and <laughs> the crops failed, the, the harvest failed again. But like, check out these fucking men at arms and the archers, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds like a great a great decision to have to make. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, maybe dip in the question bucket, and then wrap things up. BRB. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. 
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we are back. And we're going to dip into the question bucket. If you have questions, you can send them to gaming at vice.com with the subject line question or questions. Anything with the word question in it will get picked up by the label and will go to the right place and will be extricated from the context of other spam emails and will let us actually see it. So make sure to use that subject line. This one comes in from Brian, who says, I'm catching up on some relatively recent episodes. Uh, so this is regarding the discussion of Sif 6 in episode 308. I'm curious what civilization-style games that are not from the Civ franchise itself you think are good, interesting, or overlooked. I'm especially curious if there are more games with this kind of premise that diverge significantly in terms of mechanisms. For my taste, I really like Endless Legend, though I keep struggling with putting more time into it. I think it did some really interesting things to, to change up the core ideas and mechanisms that usually go along with a Civ-like game, from having factions that are very different from one another to very technological, uh, tech a very different technolo technology system that is not a branching tree, to the way you build and customize units uh that's enough out of me for now love the show and love the new to me anyway sign off fuck capitalism go home indeed uh yeah i would i would endless legend is go, was going to be my answer to this one that is like my go-to 4x uh alt 4x suggestion i'm curious if y'all have have others that you would put forward not for me i'm here no. just to see what rob has to say you were big on yeah, Planetfall last year, right, Rob? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, <clears throat> Planetfall is good. It's just, um, I mean, it's a very different sort of game. Like, I think it's really, I think the draw there is it's a tactics game, uh, right? Like, I think that's probably the more interesting part of the game. I think it sort of strips down the four X stuff and and goes more in a tactics direction. Uh, yeah, I think this is a. It's tricky, I think, in part because the Civ model has been so dominant that. Every game's design starts from maybe being a bit overly much like Civ. And so it ends up being like, it's like Civ, but. Yeah. And that's even true that for Endless Legend, which I love, but is also like Civ, but. Yeah. And I think that causes problems for this genre in general. And, and so I think this is why, like, a lot of people, I think one of the reasons that the Paradox model had so much success is I think it picked up a lot of people who wanted something different. Uh, I think a lot of games that have tried to be, oh yeah, we're a 4X. Well, no, you're 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 Civ, but <laughs> you're it's a, it's a different skin uh, and sort of a different theme around the entire thing. Uh, some people are trying to you know break out of that mold. Uh, Soren Johnson uh, is working on a game called Old World that that's I an early access to, now, right? Yeah, and I'm still trying to work out my thoughts on that. I think that I find it a little bit overwhelming because it does seem to have. Uh, it's like, what if Civ had dynastic politics right, in some ways? Right. And so we come back to that problem of, well, okay, this is this is a lot like Civ, but also it's busy and kind of counterintuitive in some ways, um, which is another problem, which is that a lot of people understand this genre through the lens of Civ. And so when a game does something different, if you are really going against what Civ has taught players to do and expect, then you start having accessibility problems. Uh, it's quite the trap. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I would also say right now, uh, specifically right now, Stellaris is in the middle of a free like free weekend on Steam. People should check out Stellaris. I think it's in a great spot right now. I was recently a guest on Three Moves Ahead where we talked about 
uh, the place that Stellaris is is at right now. Uh, and I think the kind of there were some 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 differing opinions all said, but overall, I think everyone thought it was in a much better place than it's been previously. And I think that's a game that does some stuff distinct from from Civ in a way that that has some some interesting stuff going on. Um, uh, and then, God, there was one other thing that Victoria I wanted to shout out. Kind of rough though. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, but that's <laughs> I, I think that's true for Civ. Like I think that's true for if you've never played if you've never played one of these games before and you're coming into it, I think it's rough. Like. Uh, no Civ 6 what. is a massively complicated game. Yeah, dude. Like, the only reason Civ 6 is playable is because you know how Civ works. Mm. Okay. I 100%. Tried, I've never tried 6. I just thinking yeah. back to my time with 5, and that was my first Civ that I had played. Yeah, I, I think playing any 4X game is massively benefited by first watching someone play that game, and specifically yeah. someone who's a- attempting to show tell you something about how this works you know um i would i would also shout out uh some of the the um it's like truly this is a different way of doing this the romance of the three kingdoms games which are probably more like grand strategy games than 4x games Mm. um but just if what your interest is is i want to see someone do something different uh i want to see a different lineage where this is not a series responding directly to uh Civ. Um Three Kingdoms is is ha, has some good uh romance of the Three Kingdoms, which I now have to say because otherwise you'll think I'm talking about Total War Three Kingdoms. Um has some good stuff. And my understanding is this the most recent one is actually translated now on Steam and I just haven't gotten to it yet and and I, I need to. Not not very good reviews. Uh my advice with this is is as always my favorites are the kind of like eight through twelve that that era is very good. Eight and ten and twelve are my favorite. But but that's how it goes. Um, next question comes in from uh, Wazinator, who says, Dear Waypoint, what games should have become a series but didn't? I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Tech Romancer and felt like it had an interesting had interesting characters and decent gameplay, but never got its due, mostly for being a Dreamcast and Japanese arcade exclusive. Uh, that's a good question. God, what is a game that I'm like, this should have been, this should have been a series? <laughs> Oh. Do series that died before their time get fold into this? Like no one's no one lives forever was legitimately just bonkers fun. Right. And there was only but there were two of them, but then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. How's how about this? Let me let me push you even further on on uh, mangling the question. Um what about when a series goes the wrong direction? What if mm. like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry 2 had gotten sequels? <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, Assassin's Creed did get a sequel. It was called Arkham Asylum. It was called Arkham uh, Asylum. Uh, it doesn't do the same social stuff. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's true. Assassin's Creed 1, Defense Force right here. It's me. Uh, what about Syndicate? I, Syndicate. Uh, yes, Syndicate. I'm. That's mine. Gita, you have one? No, I don't have one. I'm just thinking, like... I wish that they had actually done the present day Assassin's Creed game that they clearly were Me like too. trying to do. I I wish they it. had actually did that. You know, well, like, I like the history imagine... stuff, obviously, but like you yes. know, Watch Dogs Two <laughs> is my Assassin's Creed modern day game. Watch Dogs Two legitimately yeah. a good game. I oh, wish Watch okay, Dogs okay, Two okay, actually was a series, not Watch Dogs yeah, One. Just, just Watch Dogs Two. two. <laughs> like you had Final Fantasy, like Watch Dogs Two Two, Watch yes. Dogs Two Three. Yeah, yes. uh-huh. yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious about about this upcoming one. I still am. Rob, you had something. Right. You had yeah, a flash it's, of inspiration. It's, well, it's in the, like, a series went in the wrong direction, but also it got totally, like, 
totally hosed by just the way franchises can get like sort of expropriated from their creators, etc. Fear One, the first Fear game, Mm. fucking rules. Like it is one of the like all time greatest shooters I've ever played. Like I think I played that one probably eight times all the way through, maybe more. Also had really good multiplayer. Uh, Just like very much in the shadow of the matrix where it's like, you know, what's awesome is bullet time and like office buildings just getting shredded yeah. by automatic weapons fire. Uh, like, do you ever just want to see a scene just become like fogged in by like destroyed pillars and like gun smoke? That's fear. Uh, and then fear two wasn't by the same developer. I think it was monolith originally fear two. I think was somebody else developing they went in a weird like first person cover shooter direction because everything had to be a cover shooter at that point. Mm-hmm. And later, Monolith was brought in back in for Fear Three, and there were some good ideas, but also like the moment had just been completely lost. It's a very different game. It's a weird game in some ways, uh, and I really kind of wish that the original game's vibe of like, look, what if the ring met Rainbow Six like. <laughs> I kind of wish that game like it got in a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I uh, go ahead, Kata. Well, mine is in a similar in that similar vein. I think Star Fox never got. There was mm. a, there was the first two were fine, and then everything else has been trash. Yeah, yeah. I, after you can throw away everything after sixty four, and nothing of value has been lost. Damn. Uh, I I really. I really enjoyed the 64 um, a lot. And I just like, they never hit upon that same kind of feeling, which is a thing where it's like, even if they, um, some of the older, uh, the more recent games did do this one-to-one recreation, it felt off because part of the reason um, those older games feel faster than they are is that their frame rates are kind of shitty. So you're like compensating in your brain for like what it, uh, how fast you think those games are actually moving when they're not. But when they made them in, in in like high res, high definition, like full, like uh, frames, like good frames per second, it feels off because you, 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 your brain remembers it being faster than this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. even if it was, correct quote unquote correct to what the actual game was it didn't feel right ever you know yeah um yeah those games are fun uh i'm surprised i'm not surprised i I, in fact i have not said the one that i bet people are yelling which is bloodborne um because (laughs) i think that game is pretty complete and we just want those teams to keep making also that's gonna happen yeah probably you're probably gonna happen at some point right there's a ps5 launch or some shit right it is yeah (laughs) Um, where's European Air War 2 anyway? Well, no, these are, yeah, right. Uh, Rob, you and I were like, where's Custom Robo 2? Where's the Nintendo published take on like virtual on that that I want? Um, uh, another one that I think is, um, another one that I think probably people ha- have probably said and wanted is like the the one Bioware series that they never went back to is Jade Empire and. I think you maybe can't do Jade Empire in 2020 as Bioware. I think maybe that's that's a rough one. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that that I can imagine people suggesting. 
Um, God, I, I don't know. I think that, that's our that's the best of our ability for sure. Oh wait, um, that Animal Crossing that Janine plays every Halloween. That, oh, that where game. Yes. Does, does it, it, I mean, it never came to the U.S. It never. Only the first one came to the U.S. Uh, that game is called. Oh, fuck, what is it called? It's not Mystical Academy. I have it. It's within reach. It's in a drawer near me right now. I have a copy of it. Oh, my God. What is it called? It's Why so am I blanking good. on this? But I wish it had a Switch version. You know, I wish it got its New Horizons. I wish that it had become Magician's a Quest is the is it's the so good. Uh, English version. It only came out in the DS. Magician's Quest Mysterious Times, known in Europe as Enchanted Folk and the School of Wizardry, and known in Japan as Tungari Boshi. Uh, Tomaho no 365 Nietzsche or pointy hats and 365 days of magic uh, is basically Animal Crossing meets like your wizardry school simulator. Uh, yeah. It fucking slaps. Janine Hawkins, so uh, who does who's our friends at the table, co-host with me, um, uh, does a yearly stream of it uh, over on on her Twitch uh, or or YouTube. I think YouTube now. You can um, make friends with Halloween. the mean cell phone boy. You can and make Eric. His name is Eric, oh, and I love Eric. him. Eric he's is fantastic. so great. Eric was the he best. He gets character. high in the woods. It's great. He doesn't <laughs> actually get high so in the woods, good. but he sort of gets high in the woods with his friends. He anyway, goes it's to like the woods Animal with Crossing. His friends, so he's getting high in the woods. <laughs> Definitely, and he plays in a band. It's great. Uh, this is the thing: is like Magician's Quest is a great example of a series or of a game that like indicates how much more we need more Animal Crossing alikes in. Yeah in western games in in like that are either localized or developed for us for me to play so i can disappear into various other wor worlds like what if you could cast spells in animal crossing that it would be, be so dope. sick you can do it make be potions sick. and magicians quests what if you and could, stuff yes what you if you go could to make class? potions like yes. just one spell in animal crossing that's true you can that's true they added a wand maybe this is their maybe this is their their way in <laughs> that's a tribute. Sign, yeah yeah it's true it's true this it's is true. their subliminal to janine hawkins <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> Um, all right, maybe one more question and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Does that, does that sound good? Sounds lovely. All right. Um, let me see here. Okay, here we go. Um, an embarrassing game question comes in from Brett, who says, I come before you today to confess and seek your guidance. Though I am one of the lucky folks who acquired a beta who acquired a beta entry for Valorant, I find myself unable to really play it or any intense PC games for that matter with any dedication because of a stigma that has followed me for years. I can't use a keyboard without looking at the keys. To further my embarrassment, I'm a 30 I'm 36 and fought around this deficit by using a controller whenever possible. All the pretty RGB lights in the world can't help me. So please, Waypoint Crew, give me an idea on how to learn the teachings of the clickety clack at my advanced age is there a way or am i stuck hunting for an ancient ms dos copy of mavis beacon bonus question was there any skill that took you an embarrassingly long time to grasp regards brett how would you learn typing today how would i learn hmm. typing today i mean i learned typing through like mario teaches typing and those types of games I think those that game they typing taught the me dead. how to look, not look at the keyboard. Right, typing more of the so dead than is the, probably yeah more available. so than like accuracy. Mm -hmm. Those games teach you to not look at the keyboard. Um, but I think the one thing I really took with me that you can practice without having to play a game video game is just practice finding the home keys without looking at them. Yeah. And the home, you can tell what the home keys are because your index fingers will land on the F and the J, and most keyboards have a little tiny mark on those two keys. And if they don't, just like put a piece of like washi washi tape on them or something, something that feels different. 
And then you'll know that from the F, it's D-S-A, and from the J, it's K-L semicolon. And then from there, it just becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. I type really fast. <laughs> so um, I've thought about this a lot. Yeah, same. I, I uh, There's a thing called Typing Club, which has a bunch of lessons, and this seems really fucking cool, actually. Typingclub.com. I can't vouch for, like, their ethics, but I bet <laughs> it's fucking fine. <laughs> Uh, it's a typing class online. This seems really cool. This seems really cool. People should check this out. Typingclub.com seems like a good... There is a there is some sort of uh, uh, ad-free premium version of it, but eh, you're probably fine. You know? Just jump ahead and, and just go through this. This has There's like really pretty graphics. There's little videos that explain d- different maneuvers. Um, uh, and I just also will say... I bet you can learn how to play Valorant on keyboard and mouse without necessarily needing to learn how to type all the way. I think. Let me throw something out there. Yes, the gaming keypad. I absolutely. I mean, I also gaming keypad. What? There's um. I think a. Oh. I I think something that really helped me that in college with learning Final Cut will help this person also. I don't know that they make these things anymore. I, they probably don't make them for whatever game you're trying to learn how to play Valorant, you know. But mm-hmm. learning uh, the significant keys, highlighting them on your keyboard somehow, like getting getting get washi tape, which is very cheap. It's made out of paper, so it won't damage your keyboard uh, and it won't leave residue. It, and just having taping those that were like WASD and Shift and Control uh might just help you at a glance recognize them. So instead of having to look directly at your fingers typing, you can look down a little bit and then look up at the screen. And that is, I had this like keyboard cover that had all the um, the shortcuts for Final Cut on it. And that's how I learned how to use Final Cut is that I would look at them enough and I would know what the shortcuts were for enough that eventually I stopped having to look at the keyboard cover. So there's a couple of ways you can get through to this. Yeah, you don't probably don't have to learn how to type all the way, but I think yeah. there's a couple of methods to get your brain just to activate at least when you're playing a video game you'd like to play on PC. Rob, what what is a what did you just say? What was the word that you just used? A gaming Oh, a uh, gaming keypad. Keypad. Is that is that one of the ones that is just like it's, a little side? It's like a mouse but with a billion buttons on. It's not a mouse at all. It's just a it's like a mini keyboard. Yeah, it's, it takes what a WASD, like it takes the WASD configuration in some ways, but it abstracts it. So it's not a keyboard. It's like a cutoff keyboard that is just there to have like game relevant buttons for like controlling your character. And so like under the assumption that is this about typing or is this about because if you can use a if you're using a gamepad without looking down at it, admittedly, it's a different ergonomic thing. But is it also that like the gamepad is divorced from what a keyboard does and it's just like it's abstracted like it is a controller right under the assumption that the problem here is a level of abstraction you're not hitting w to hit go forward you're just hitting the go forward button mm-hmm. uh the gaming keypad might give you that experience right it lays it out a little bit differently uh that might be that might be a way to go yeah check those out all right if you have questions again you can send those into gaming advice.com with the subject question uh, I hope that everyone has a good weekend. As always, shout-outs to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. You can follow, find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can follow all of us, twitter.com slash waypoint. And you can follow me, twitter.com slash Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Kato? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. How about you, Gita? You can find me at XOXOGossipGita. And Rob Zachney. 
at Rob Zachney. As always, you already know what it is. Fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. All right. Uh, um, gotta open time dot is. Uh-huh. Uh, the clock is almost Still like a, a minute behind. Well, Still not a day. No more days. They erased. Behind. They erased days. Twenty five seconds. It's hmm. it like skipped twice back. To oh back. my god! <laughs> also, Kato, Kato, you're off, off again. Okay. Yeah. By a lot. I don't yeah. think it'll ever be fixed. Kill though. that video. Gina and I are the only ones <laughs> talking. I don't need. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, we got that shit sorted out. All right. So All right. do it. Wait. Uh, so we we did a second clap oh, then. Yeah. Forty nine. Forty nine. I've missed it. Oh boy. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't like the. I don't like this energy this isn't good at energy. all. Can we do it at the minute? Sorry. Yes. 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 Minute. yes. Yes. There it skipped. You got it. That sounded good. That sounded good. That sounded good. That sounded Doug, good. Skipped for me. Oh, so you just did? So you missed it? Yeah. It like it is skipping like crazy. I'm refreshing this tab. Okay. Wow. Gonna take a breather. We're gonna Are get you centered. time traveling right now, Rob? <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip of water. Okay. Let's go on thirty. Wait. We're gonna do a. Board. I'm not ready. Okay. Thirty. Yes. Thirty. <laughs> 30 I can seconds. Do. Thirty. I can do. Sounded good. Perfect. Yeah, that, that works. That works. Uh, uh, okay, three fourteen, right, Kata? Yep.